Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to 2424. You're a little lost, aren't you? It's only 2024, right? No. Today's date is 2424. 2024. So come on. You got to understand, I'm an oddball and I like numbers, so this is just me. And I've been looking forward to this day when I realized we were going to have a 2024. Or 24, 24. Yeah, I'm weird. But that being said, it's good to see you all in the house of the Lord this morning. Who's thankful that there is no snow on the ground? Who's praying for more snow? At least I'm not the only one this morning. My wife has already been saying, man, I just want winter to kick in. I want a good blizzard. And I said, honey, I don't want a blizzard. Give me about six inches, let it stay on the grass and the grass only, and I'm good. Don't give me all that hundreds of inches of rain like we had the last time. Well, that's why I said on the grass only. Yeah, yeah. See, this is what happens when we bring them southerners up here. They don't know how to drive in the snow. I was down in the south, and, they, and then they said it's going to snow, and I watched everybody panic and lock up like it was going to be like an apocalypse kicking in. But yeah. But anyway, it's great to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, if you've been with us at all, you know that we uh, finished up our series on the power of worship and the way we were supposed to worship. That's because God has given me a heart to, to really look at things about how we need to grow ourselves. But we're getting ready to switch into our new series. But before we get to there, let me go ahead and get through the announcements to let everybody know what we have going on. On um, Wednesday morning, we have our prayer time at noon right here in the sanctuary where we're asking God to move. We're asking God to do the difference because we have no power, but we know who does. So we're, we're pursuing that. So we're asking that if you are free at noon on Wednesdays, please come and join us in the sanctuary. And if you're not and you're working, please just join us at noon at your lunch break. Five minutes, just pray. God, move. So that's what we were asking for you this, more, this week. Um, and then also midweek services are from six to, uh, 6 to 7. Right here we have Brother Jim and Sister Amy are teaching kids how to do get ready for junior talent. This week we will not cancel it um, because we should have everything fixed. Um, and then we have youth group in the sanctuary, and then we will have um, Bible study in the fellowship hall. We are getting ready to um, start up what we call new member classes as well. New member classes is if you're new to the church, new to our church body as a movement, uh, as the church of God. It just lets you know who we are, what we believe, and it also lets you realize what we kind of ask of you as you become a member um, in different regards to that. It's, it's going to be like a one-week class where you can kind of come in and we're going to do it quarterly and just to get people engaged. Because let me tell you, we have a lot of new faces and not everybody knows what Pentecostalism is, what the Protestant movement is, and different things. And let's, it's better not just to just teach you guys what we're doing. So prepare for that. And then also, if you look in the bulletin, I didn't get a slide made because, like I said, I was out of town in Columbus. Um, at the Potter's House Church of God at a prayer conference, and it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal movement. But Sister Amy asked me to ask 
that if you are interested in joining an Easter choir um, for the uh, Easter service on March 31st, um, we ask that you just sign up on the clipboard out in the lobby. She's going to be setting that up, and it's going to be a wonderful time where we're going to have a whole bunch of people up here singing for Jesus as we have and pray that this is a full and packed house for people to hear the message of who Jesus is and the fact that he is risen. So that being said, if you are able to and you want like to, please make sure that you sign up. If you have any questions in regard to what the songs are or anything like that, do not look at me. You look at Sister Amy. She knows it all. So I think I did it justice, did I not? I don't know. I'm, in a, I, I'm a little, still a little road, road, uh, road hazardish stuff. And then also we have serving opportunities throughout the church. Um, we are looking for volunteers for the nursery still. And I know if you have volunteered, we will be doing a training. I think in two weeks is what our plan is um, for um, the training to get done with the nursery. So that way we can do a rotation where it's one time you serve hopefully every six, hopefully six, every six weeks. But we're really planning for every 12 weeks. Because that way it lets the mamas that come in with their babies not to always stick in the nursery so that they can come in here and get fed as well. Along with, we're looking for volunteers for our um, youth group. And then also, we are looking for volunteers for somebody that has a heart to open up their doors and open up a Bible study or a small group. So if you have that interest and that heart, please let me know because we are trying to get those things set up to invite people in where we can just go in and dig into the word and be open and transparent with one another. But that being said, I think we are done with the announcements. Oh, 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 no, no, I had one that I didn't put in the bulletin. As I said earlier, we are going to be 100 years old next year, which puts me on a deadline of a good time here where I need to collect as many photos of our church over the years, whether that's our old church on, in Struthers on Elm Street or if it was the basement church. If you know anybody that would have these images, we want them. Can you say that? We want them. We want to collect them. We want to take them and make a beautiful slideshow about remembering what had happened. I would love to get pictures of Brother Dorman doing his sermons. I'd rather have pictures. I got, I got videos of Brother Mitchell preaching in here. I got, I got all kinds of different things going on, and I want the more of, the, of these things because 100 years of history is a wonderful thing to kind of look back at and reflect on. So if you have those, if they're locked in a shoebox in your attic, please go digging for them. We would love them as we get ready to do that. Yes, ma'am. In the church. Just structures, videos, whatever you got. We will go through them like a fine-tooth cone, and we will make a wonderful video. I think I'm there. I don't know. I, I, I got a little butterflies kicking in because I'm getting ready to start this new series this week that it's because what God has kind of really placed on my heart. I don't know what it is because there are certain things that God tells us that we're supposed to do and we don't always like to do it. Like last month, we're called and created to worship. And then at the same time, we've been told to wait. And it's the struggle and the wait that we all 
cannot encapsulate so well in our processing of where we're going. And honestly, the scripture reference that we'll be hitting up for the next several weeks is out of uh, Habakkuk, and it's out of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. So if we can put that up this morning, Sister Yetta. And it says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets, so that he may run, he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, and it hastens to the end. And it will not lie. If it is slow, wait for it. It will surely come, and it will not delay. Father God, touch me, calm my nerves, calm these butterflies that I always love to get when I get into the ministry and into the pulpit, Lord, because I know it's you moving. But let this message be a message that we need to hear on an on-time message to allow us to become encouraged, Lord. To trust you in Jesus name and the church said like I said several weeks ago we were in our study on worship and what its impact was and several weeks ago I looked at sister Amy and I said Amy I said I don't know what this is but the next series we're going to talk about is about tearing and waiting and she looked at me and says, I like that. And I was like, I know, but I don't know where God's going to take me to. We'll see how long it goes. And so that's where we're at. But it's something that, that we truly struggle as a society nowadays is the idea of waiting. I mean, if you have a cell phone, you have powerful tools to not wait like if I want to order my pizza so I don't have to get to the pizza parlor and wait for 40 minutes for them to cook it, I can order it ahead of time. If I want to look for an answer, what am I going to do? I'm going to pull up the Google. If I want to learn about somebody's issues or struggles that they're dealing with, I'm going to pull up the Facebook. Yeah, I'm getting old school because these are real titles. But the truth is, is we struggle with the idea of waiting because we have learned that we can have such wonderful things in the instantaneousness of our lives. I am guilty of it, just I'm sure as you are. But why then is it that we seem to learn to not like a waiting period? Is it because it puts us out of control with where we're at? Is it because it makes us uncomfortable? I mean, I'll be honest. I can remember back in the days when I would date and I would be waiting for the, for the person to come out because they were slow getting their makeup on. Even today, I struggle with waiting. I look at Melissa and I say, hey, honey, we have to be somewhere at this set time and she looks at me and she waits to the last possible second to get ready. And then she tells me, wait. Have you never had that happen? There's a song about it. I don't mind waiting on a woman, right? I think it's Brad Paisley and all this stuff. But I, what I'm trying to get at is, is we, we go through these seasons in these places 
where we don't like to wait for the things that are going to be coming because of the uncomfortableness that we have no control over the outcome that we seem to think that we should have. But I think it's even more interesting that God himself tells humanity so often throughout the entire word to wait. What do you mean? No, God speaks and then something happens. You see, in Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, I always mess that name up. Habakkuk, what we realize is that he's writing to Israel and to Judea the, the, the words that God is trying to speak to them, and a lot of it is all about judgment because of their behaviors. And theologians have looked at his words and said that they were written in 600 and I want to say 30 AD or 30 BC. But the process of when the words actually became into completion were not till 573 BC. Over 60 years later, that these words that were spoken to the prophet of God and written down so that people could read it didn't come through until such a long time. Better yet, we've had a society that honestly have struggled to understand what the order is is that we're supposed to do to process what God is asking us to have. I'll be honest. Since I, I try to be a hot glue church, I try to be humble, open, and transparent, as I hope the word is helping you to grow, to love God more, to become united together, and to equip you, that when I was going into the ministry, I thought it was a, kind of an interesting concept that God would speak, but he wouldn't open doors. That God would speak a word and a a thing over me, give me dreams and hopes to kind of pursue after. But the doors never seemed to open. And it's in those moments that I got so frustrated because I thought that God had spoken and then it allowed things of doubt to creep into my own life. Have you ever had those kind of dreams where you woke up and you're like, I'm going to do this, and then all of a sudden you think it's going to happen today, and then it just never comes into play? I mean, I had a dream that I was going to get married by the time I was 19. I thought I was going to marry the first girl I was dating there. But God had a different plan when I was 25 years old. And I finally said the words I do to my beautiful bride. There are many people that have plans in their lives. Like, I can remember this one kid that I was raising up in the youth ministry. He's like, dude, all I want to dream about is having a BMW. I said, okay. He says, no, no, you don't get it. I want my BMW because it's awesome. People will look at me like I got some money. I said, okay. Okay. Then he made me laugh some more. He says, yeah, and then I'm going to have all the girls in my car, and we're going to go cruising. And I'm like, okay. 
I was like, that's a great dream. And then I said, but what's going to happen when it's going to happen, right? He says, oh, don't crush my dreams, dude. And I'm like, dude, no, brother, I don't get you. I'm not understanding or trying to crush your dreams because I look at things in a different perspective. But I didn't realize this young man, because he later told me, he says, yeah, I got my BMW posters on my car. My wallpaper on my computer is a BMW. This is before the smartphones. So he's like, I even got the little flip phone picture of a BMW. Am I a little too old for y'all? You don't remember those little flip phones and little square screens that had the BMW? I mean, this, this kid dreamed about it, and he worshipped the dream. And a lot of the times, the things that we're waiting for can tend to be the thing that we pursue after the most. It's like today, we got people that are worshiping the lottery ticket because they've been dreaming, oh, I'm going to get that lottery ticket, I'm going to scratch it, and it's going to give me my million dollars. And they keep going back and putting money at it, trying to worship that lottery ticket to get it. Or better yet, they got people that are worshiping their idea of what the best wedding's going to be. And they don't care who the groom is that they're walking down the aisle with. They just have to have that one dream. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, is we struggle with the aspect of dreaming and waiting for things to come into fruition. Even in the church, we do that. Because we keep thinking that, oh, if this person's here, all of a sudden there's going to be a mighty move of God and it's going to shift and it's going to change things and the seats are going to be full. And they don't realize that the process. But the struggle that we really get into is the fact that we think our desires and our dreams should become more important than what we're really pursuing after. In Genesis chapter 17, we find a great example of this when we look at Abraham. Because God, in the scriptures, in verses 15 through 16, says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, by Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and moreover, I will give her a son to or give her a son by her and I will bless her and she will become nations and kings of people shall become, uh, come for her. This is a promise that God is speaking over Abraham. A promise that had already been reiterated when when God was calling Abraham out of his own territory out of his own comfort zone out of a place that he thought he was going to live forever. Because at 75 years old, Abraham was praying, and God says, I want you to leave your father's house. And I want you to go into a land that I'm going to take you to. And he said, okay, God, I trust you. Not knowing what was going to happen. But in the promise, God says, I will make you a nation. I don't know about you, but if God speaks something like that to me, a lot of the times I would ask a lot of weird questions like, God, you're going to make me a nation. How is that going to happen? I'm 75 years old. I understand the context you're speaking to me of. Where am I going to come up with all these kids? 
No, I'm not taking that personal conviction in my own life right now. I'll be honest with you. I got five daughters. I love them to pieces, but I'm not going to keep trying to go for an army here, let alone a nation. But when God is speaking to Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you a nation. And his idea and his mind was one that, that, that just completely lost him in the disconnection. Because there was something that was missing in and through their lives that they could not correlate or fully encapsulate what was going to happen. And that's because the struggle that we get into is, is that we start trying to do things that we can't grasp. Because we really start doing things like, like we, when we let the word that is spoken have more power over us instead of when the word is spoken, letting it be a plan uh, that we plan for, but we don't truly live for. Live for. That young man lived for his BMW. A lot of men and women have lived this life living for the dream. Not caring who they're going to overcome, overtake, who they're going to run over, because they're chasing their dream. In humanity and in, in, in God's word, we're not called to live for ourselves. Scripture says, to live is, and for God is to, or to, to live for Christ is gain, but to die for, or to live for self is to death. It's in that struggle that we will always go through, that we lose and miss the mark, because what we lose our heart on is the true worship that we're supposed to pursue after. Abraham heard the message of the promise, and he lived in the pursuit of the Savior, in the pursuit of the God that was calling him into his tomorrow. He didn't understand the impact of what was being spoken over him. But let me tell you, we don't either. This week, God reminded me of my dreams, the things that he's spoken over my life the things that I know that are going to come through that I have let become callous because of the disbelief that I have. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had something spoken over you that seems so, so crazy that you're like, oh, God's not going to do that? That you've let your heart become so hardened that you cannot fully encapsulate or, 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 or fully grasp the notion of what God is speaking so you discount it? See, that's not what waiting that God is asking for us to do. He's asking for us to take the dreams and say, oh God, if you would just give me this, this, this thing that you're speaking over me, then I will rest in the promises of it. But I'm not going to live for it. I'm going to live in the preparation for it by pursuing you. See, Abraham, when he got the command from God to go out, what did he do? He left. He said, Sarah, Sarah, let's go. And he looked at Lot. He said, hey, grab your wife. Let's go too. Let's go live out here. 
And it wasn't until years later that God came back and visited him again. And he says, hey, get ready. Sarai will no longer become Sarai because she's going to get the new name because of the promises that I've spoken over your life and her life. And she's going to give you a son. And he took it. He said, okay, God, I'm trusting you in this outcome. I'm going to live out my life with what I can. But we have to realize that the doubts will still creep in. I'll be honest. When I was going into ministry, I went to one young man and I said, hey, I feel the call to ministry. He looked at me and says, no, you're never going to be a minister. So I said, okay. Guess that was an inward dream. God kept speaking it to me over and over again. And the discouragement kicked in after the doors wouldn't open. And in the waiting of the seasons. And so, you know, I said, I'm just going to live my life and do what I need to. And then God kept speaking dreams over my life. To keep reassuring me. Can I, can I, can I tell you, there are some things that God has to speak over each and every one of us. Over and over and over again to get it through our thick heads. I might not have hair, but I got a thick head. And sometimes it takes a lot of whacking to get it in my head there. You can ask Melissa. She, she'll tell you. But there are times and places that we can get the message over and over and over again. And the discouragement can, might win out. If you know anything about Abraham's story and his season of waiting... One of the things that he, he had to deal with was his wife sitting there looking at him saying, Honey, I'm old. I don't know what dream you're, you're hearing, but I, there is no way I'm going to come out and have a baby. And I'm like 90 years old. And she's looking at Abraham saying, Man, you, you, you're old too. I don't know if I want your dusty self raising a kid. And I was like, Okay. So she said, Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make plans, and we're going to live for what God has spoken over us. Here's Hagar. Go and take my maidservant. Go and have your way with her. She's going to produce the heir that God has apparently promised to you in those moments. In our waiting and in our discouragement, we lose sight of what God is trying to awaken up within us. Even in our old ages, even in our young ages, we can get so off track and off sight because we're not trusting the creator of the heavens and the universe with our very little lives. Because we seem to think that we're insurmountable and that God just is looking at us going, flick us away. That he might spoke it, but he forgot about us. Because we're so insignificant. But let me tell you, if God is speaking something over our lives, we have to trust him with the outcome. Abraham lost sight and got discouraged and had Ishmael because of what he did with Hagar, because he couldn't keep holding on to what the promise was that God had spoken. And Hagar had to deal with the brunt effort of his disobedience. You see, 
When we start letting our dreams and our plans become the thing we live for, we're going to hurt others around us a lot. What do I mean, Pastor? What I'm meaning is, is, is what, if we're living our lives trying to do our ride and try to make our way, there's always going to be somebody that's going to have to pay the toll for what our choices are. It's like, like, like if you look at somebody that's looking unhappy in their marriage, so they start looking outside of marriage because if their wife isn't meeting the needs or, or the husband's not meeting the needs and they, they're at work and, and, and that one person over there is looking pretty tasty and they're like, okay, they're giving me attention. And they're not holding on to the promises that were spoken in the marriage covenant. There's collateral damage that takes place. And that's not what we're called to pursue after. We're called to pursue after God and all that we do and all that we are. And we're called to live for Him and plan for His ways. And if he's called you accordingly to his power, his riches, his mercy, his wonderful planning, then you could trust him. But we got to get ourselves to where we're not getting discouraged in our season of waiting. But how do we do that? We got to keep on keeping on in the waiting. What does that mean? It means there are seasons in my life where I've had to sit there and wait for God to open up a door, wait for God to speak, wait for God to do these different wonderful and mighty things in my life. But I stayed connected. Like the season of Bethany when we were getting discouraged, the doctors were saying, get ready, the casket's coming for her. And I'm going, God, I feel you say you're going to heal my, my daughter. I'm trusting you with the outcome that you have. And the only thing I can do is be on my knees and in my word and speaking to other people that would speak life into my life and the encouragement of what God was already speaking to me. And that's the only way I can keep walking and, and to work that day or, or, or going into the hospital that day. Or, or, or dealing with people that were at church sometimes because of the struggle that I was having and the discouragement because I know how my mind could race and the unbelief would kick in. There are going to be seasons in your life where you think that you're not valued. That's a lie. That's the enemy wanting you to look left and look right instead of walking on the narrow path. That's the enemy wanting you to get off the mark. To chase after the little shiny things he would rather sh to, to distract you with. Instead of looking at the true light source of our eternal hope. You see, when Abraham looked at the shiny things that his wife was saying and talking about how they were too old, he brought the mess into his life. He brought the mess for his nations. He brought a whole lot of collateral struggles into this life because he lost his eye off the prize. He didn't want to keep on keeping on any longer. He went for, I don't know how, over a decade, wandering around trusting God would make him nations. 
And then all it took was one split moment of distraction that caused so much destruction. We still see it playing out today. What are you talking about? Israel and Palestine. Israel and all of the, the Arab nations. A lot of those come from, from Hagar's son, Ishmael's tribe of the, over there in the Arab nations. We still see it playing out in our own lives and, and a resemblance in that aspect because we've lost sight of who God is. I mean, I can't blame people sometimes. I get distracted a lot. I get discouraged a lot. It's like I come in here, the words one day, there's 150 people in here, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. We're seeing growth. And then the next day I come in here, there's 10. Some days I feel like I'm doing a, a great, mighty work in the pulpit. Some days I don't. Some days I go home and I'm looking at my kids and I'm seeing them grow in their spiritual life or growing in their education. I'm like, yes, I'm getting a win today. And there are other days I'm like, oh, I just want to kill you because you are... St- oh, I'm not going to say it on the microphone. <laughs> but something that I've learned and according to the word is, is that if God could speak a word over our lives, we've got to hold on to it. It's like the, the, the first promise of the Messiah coming in Genesis, right when God goes and, and he says you're going to have an enmity between your offspring and the serpent and all the other thousands of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled throughout the Old Testament to fall in line to prove that there is only one true Messiah that could ever fulfill those and it had to have been God in the flesh. But the discouragement will always kick in because people always want to try to find a way to make comfort kick through. And keeping on the keeping on is not the easiest task. It's realizing that you've got to put each foot every single day of your life one step in front of the other. And it's about holding on to the encouragement that we have every single day. Because then we can realize that the ultimate purpose for our waiting that we have to really hold on to is that our waiting is a place where we can truly grow. Grow. Somebody once told me a joke, or it was actually yesterday. He said, yeah, have you ever heard about the uh, bamboo stick? I said, no. He says, yeah, you got to take a bamboo stick, and what you got to do is you got to take it, plant the seed, you got to come back and water it and, and fertilize it every single day for five years. I said, oh, I've never heard that. That's something different. He says, yeah. He says, if you miss one day, the, the plant will never, ever grow. I said, what? That doesn't sound right because I've seen bamboo sticks in South Carolina. I don't know what you're talking about here. And he says, yeah, no, that's just how it has to work. And he says, but if you can make it. That fifth year, that thing will shoot up to 90 feet in a week. I said, huh? He says, yeah, that's a story about how, how we've got to realize sometimes our lives have to be. Some days we are, we're, we're living this life, we're, we're, we're dreaming dreams, we're, we're waiting for the promises to come forth. And they seem like they're never going to come on because we're doing the work, we're walking truthfully in everything that we have. And we're never going to see the outcome. 
That might be like, I've been praying for my, my lost sons or daughters to come back to God. I keep praying for them, and I keep praying, and I keep praying, and, and it just seems like they just keep getting further and further and further from God. Or it might be like, I, I, I prayed because I got this medical issue and it just seems like it's never going to go right. And I keep praying, God, just take this from me. Or it might even be a struggle that you have where you keep praying and praying and praying, God, remove this thorn from my side. Or it might be that you're just praying, God, just get me through each and every single day. Let me see your goodness today. Let me get through this dark valley so I can get on the mountaintop that I need just to give me the encouragement. You keep going. And you do it for years. And you get the discouragement coming in. But what you don't realize is that it's in the season of waiting that God is trying to speak life in you. I mentioned the fact of my discouragement and my pursuit to go into the calling that God has given me in my life. The discouragements I hit. But it was in the season that I said, okay, God, I'm going to pursue the plan, not the calling, that I truly saw what God was going to do. What did I do? I'm not saying this is the example. I jumped into college. I said, I grew up in a household that did not know God. We never spoke of God outside of a little thing here or there, outside of my grandparents taking me to church, and I looked at the people with the beehives, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm at, but okay. And I just knew they would love me. I didn't know the word. I didn't know the truth like, like, like so many of these in this church do, where they grew up hearing it inside and out. But I went through the season of preparation because it was in the season of waiting that I grew to become the pastor that you have today. It's like my kids. They go through season of growth every single day to become the women that they're called to be to fear God. It's what we raise them up for. It's why God has let you go through the adversities. It's why he's letting you go through seasons of waiting so that way when you get the thing that you've been waiting for, the, the thing you prayed for, the thing that you dreamed for, the thing that you pursued after, that way it doesn't become just something that you throw away. Because what I've seen is that so many people in this world, they pursue after the thing they want and the second they get it, they throw it away. But I worked hard for that, Pastor. No, you did work hard. But you lived for an idea that was never going to happen. I've met people that have pursued after work careers thinking that that was going to be the answer that brought them joy. They got it, they hated it. I've met people that pursued after the idea of a marriage and just put anybody in that, that other role that they were hoping to fill and they didn't realize that the person was an abuser. That they were never loved, they were a cheater, they did all these things that were horrible to them and they were so completely unhappy. 
because they weren't willing to go through the proper season of waiting. Because they didn't realize that they were not ready for what God was preparing them for, but they got ahead of the prize. Can I tell you one thing? When Abraham held Ishmael, he loved that young man like everything he had. He looked at him with a father's love and said, you are my son and I love you. But he wasn't ready for the truth that was going to unfold, that Ishmael was never the promise. It was Isaac. He wasn't ready until, 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 until Sarah got pregnant with Isaac and he looked at Isaac and he says, oh, this is the promise that God has given me, the thing that I had longed for, that we, we've waited 80 years to just be able to have a chance for her to get pregnant. We gave up on that dream 50 years ago when she hit 40. And he didn't realize it wasn't because he wasn't ready. I can imagine what Abraham would have done if he would have had Isaac in his 30s. I don't think he would have left his father's house. I could see Isaac having him in his 40s. I don't think he would have learned to teach him who God was like he did. I can imagine him having him in his 50s. And he wouldn't be the father of faith that we all hold on to today. I could see him having him in his 60s. And he would have just said, I'm just too old for this now. But it was in the proper timing that our omnis, um, omnificent God, who knows all things and all times, knew that he was supposed to have a son right then and right there. Can I just tell you right now, you might be thinking that your life has fallen apart. You might be thinking that God has forgotten you. You might be thinking that it's all shambles. But if God is in it, get ready. It's time for us as a church to start really keep on keeping it on. It's time for us as a church to really start trusting that when God speaks a word, it'll come through into fruition you got to think, it was in the book of Genesis, right at the original sin mark, that Jesus was promised. But how many years later did it happen? It's like right now we're called to tarry and wait as a church. Why? Because Jesus says, get ready, I'm coming back. It's like so many of us, we keep looking for the wrong things trying to fulfill the promise that God has given us. But it's time for us to get our eyes back on the proper prize to grow accordingly. I wasn't ready for ministry in my early 20s. I wasn't ready for fatherhood in my early 20s. Sometimes I wonder if I'm ready for fatherhood in my 40s, but God says I am. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you've been thinking and discouraged about, but I have to tell you right now is if God is still writing your story, he's got something that he's already promised you that you're still waiting to come through. It's time for us to look to him for the hope that we need. If you'll stand with me this morning.
It's in the waiting that we hate. It's in the waiting that we will always get discouraged. It's in the waiting that we'll find our hope. So I want to ask this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, have you been waiting for this moment? Because you've been hearing God tug on your heart and say it's time. Time to get right with me. Time to, time to accept me as your true heavenly father. Time to let Jesus become your savior, to pay your price. If that's you this morning and you want him to become the savior of your life, to start getting you back on the right track, raise your hand this morning. We're going to pray a prayer. Is there anybody in the house this morning? One. Is there anybody else? Two. Is there anybody else this morning? What we're going to get ready to do as a church is we're going to say a prayer, and this prayer means absolutely nothing. Nothing. If it's not meant with the full sincerity of our heart. This is not something that's easily walked into. It's been a time of waiting for you. So let's get it right. So let's say it with me this morning, church. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. The one that was promised long ago. That fulfilled ever presently my heart's desire to change. So be the Lord of my life. Because Jesus, you died on the cross to pay my punishment. You rose from the dead to give me new promises of life and daughter and sonship. So today, I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give those people a round of applause? If that was you this morning on the live stream, we want to make sure we connect with those because we do have a lot of people still sick. Let us know because we want to pray for you because we want to connect with you. If it was you this morning, please let us know so we can connect with you so we can love on you this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles that we're giving out this morning. But we want you guys to understand it's time for us to really hold on to the fact that if God is moving, we need to get ready. We need to start planning our lives accordingly and trusting him with the outcome. So Lord Jesus, I just praise you for who you are. Lord, I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that I can give you, God, because you are so awesome. Because God, your timing is perfect, and we have to trust that. But help us, Lord, in the waiting Help us to keep on keeping on. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to keep walking in the motions and the places that you called us to, Lord, for the preparations of the dreams and the words spoken over our lives. So God, today, as we get ready to dismiss, Lord, I ask that you just touch each and every one of us, Lord. Encourage us to walk wholeheartedly for you, to be with you, to be for you, but also help us to love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord, as we go through this world to realize that we're making a difference because we're seeking to grow beyond where we're at. To walk in the promise and the fulfillment of your steps and your calling that you have on our lives. And the church said, Amen.
Go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And hold on until we keep seeing you guys until next week. We will be waiting for you always. We love you all.